Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. And let's dive straight into it because I've got a good feeling, a good vibe about today's guest on the podcast. Recently, we've talked about the subject of recruitment um, and, and we're sort of, I suppose, in some respects, going to extend that a little bit further because we welcome Mr. Jamie Leonard. Jamie is our guest today and is the founder and CEO of Recruitment Events and Wreckfest. Jamie, welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast. Great to be on, James. Thanks for having me. Uh, not a problem at all. And, and as I, I said to, to Jamie off air before we hit record on today's episode, he's a standing up guest, a stand up guy, um, to, to, to quote Goodfellas. And uh, yeah, um, great to have you along. And, and I've been doing a little bit of digging, not too much, because I never like to do too much, because it takes away maybe asking some of the obvious questions when I'm recording these, but into Wreckfest. And when I looked at it pre-recording, I thought, ah, that's interesting. I've, I've didn't know that that even existed and that it served that marketplace. So, you know, without drawing any assumptions and conclusions from what I've read, Jamie, tell us a little bit, first of all, about recruitment events and what Wreckfest is. Yeah, sure. So recruitment events uh, was a company started by myself and my wife um, around eight years ago. Um, our industry was notorious for very bad events at that point, uh, not just in our space, but in really any industry. It was very much the, the beige walls, uh, the hotels, the regurgitated content and a, a warm glass of you know, red wine afterwards for networking. And we just thought that we could do better. Uh, and you know, we've always been a big fan of events, but more kind of uh, you know, festival style events, B2C event style. And yeah, we just thought we could do something different. We went out to market in 2000, actually it's longer now, 2011, I think it was, we went out to market with a, a series of small um, buyer-seller speed meeting events, which were easy for us to launch, low barrier to entry, didn't take a, a bunch of investment. We were shoestringing the whole way. And you know, through that, we, we created a bit of a brand for ourselves. Wreckfest was our, our, bit, our, our foray into the big event space. We were... Once we once overheard a few of our sponsors talking at one of our events, and one of them said, "These guys are fine, but they'll never, they'll never be a big event company. They're not going to be like X, Y, and Z events mm. in this space." And that's red rag to a ball with myself. Um, <laughs> not a massive fan of being told what I can't do. So we went to market in 2014 with a very small festival style event. It wasn't a festival. It was a a conference room still. I think we put down AstroTurf and everyone turned up in shorts and t-shirts and we begged a hundred people to walk through the door. And that was really the start of, of, of Wreckfest. And, you know, since then we've been on a, on an eight year journey uh, uh, that kind of come together and, and was a, we hit that kind of realization point this July when we had 4,000 recruiters in um, Nebworth house, which is, you know, a fairly iconic location yeah, if if you're gonna, I mean, going back to that conversation about there'll never be a big big event organizer, you know, to to then say, oh yeah, 2022, where were we? Oh, Nebworth, that's <laughs> that's pretty good, you know. And there are yeah, a few other cool. decent names there this summer. Yeah, one or two, one or two. We um we played follow up to Liam Gallagher, so we had some issues with that. Um, the the crowd at Liam Gallagher's event was slightly unruly, and at one point, the local council were going to pull the event license from Nebworth House, which would have been a bit of an issue for us, considering it was two weeks before the event, but luckily they uh, they didn't. 
Oh yeah, that, that would have that would have been monstrously unfair to to pull yeah. a, a license for an entire site based on the audience of one of the the gigs there, you know. And, and surely when they license it for a, a Liam Gallagher concert of a hundred thousand people, they know what they're going to get, you know. They know yeah. what they're going to get in the event. But anyway, that's a whole other that's a whole <laughs> other subject. So I mean. I, I, I do like to break things down into, into layman's terms and make sure that people are, you know, listening and tuning into this are completely on the same page. Wreckfest is a, is is an event for recruiters, for people who work in the recruitment sector. But as you as you've said, you've you've broken out of that traditional conference mold where people turn up in their business suits and their business attire, and they have a morning pastry and a coffee, and then they sit down in a you know a plenary session and a morning keynote, and they listen to somebody, uh, you know, delivering death by PowerPoint. Um, presumably, you you you've got to retain a level of educational content and informative content for these people who want to learn, who want to expand their, their understanding and their knowledge and their, their, uh, their place within the, the recruitment industry. So you still need to deliver that content, but how are you, how are you sort of making that more exciting? Um, come into the speakers, I suppose, first of all, because they, they surely must play a critical part in the people who are actually speaking to your audience and delivering content. How do you work with them to, to, to sort of really make sure that the content they're delivering is engaging and in keeping with this festival atmosphere that you've created? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll sort of break it down, the event itself. So, <coughs> pardon me. So the event is is part conference because with this year we had over 100 speakers. So you've got the high value speaker content you get from, you know, the big conferences in most industries. You've got the trade show element as well because Wreckfest at the heart of it is a trade show. This is a place people right. go, buyer sellers go to connect, they go to see products. They go to meet existing clients, especially after the pandemic. No one's doing meetings at the moment. Um, and, and they go to find out about new technologies. It's wrapped up in a festival feel. So what you get is you get the uh, buy-seller placement of a, of a trade show. You get the content of a, of a conference. And then you get that emotional anchor of something like a, a, a Comic-Con or a, um, a, a Glastonbury. And, mm. and the reason for that is... I suppose when I first started going to festivals, I the, the bit I used to love about festivals, and I love music, but I, I used to love the human connection more. Mm. It's that idea that there's escapism. It's, a, it's the idea that it, there's no judgment. It's that everyone can be their absolute best self and, and be who they want to be without fear of criticism. Um, and I love that because I think it creates stronger relationships. And, you know, I remember thinking sort of, you know, many years back, what if we can overlay that onto a trade show on a conference? If mm. you can build that relationship between buyers and sellers and co-workers and influencers, that's as strong as you get at something like a festival or a Comic-Con or a Burning Man or a Fringe Festival, something more like that, then you've got something quite powerful there. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the crux of what Wreckfest is. It's all three of those things mixed into one. And what it really allows for is when those buyers and sellers are building those relationships, it's formed on a more personal level. So that's what we've seen in 2019 and, and this year, that personal relationship, that shared experience um, that you get at something like Redfest, that you don't get at a usual trade show or a, or a conference. Mm -hmm. In terms of speakers and what we do there, I mean, we had about 500 applications to talk. We work closely with every speaker to make sure we're covering every facet of talent acquisition and, and recruitment. We had 10 different stages this year and each stage was themed something different. So it was employer brand, candidate experience, mm -hmm. sourcing, technology, leadership. 
And what that meant was, if you're really into employer brand as your job, you can just go to that one stage and that's, that's you done for the day. That's all your content. Those are your people. That's your tribe. If you're someone that's more generalist and want to hover about, you can do that as well. Mm. What it meant as well, which we saw this year for the first time, which was great. We get big teams coming to Reckfest. So we get 20-person teams, 30-person teams, and they, they all sort of you know, go out and do all of the, the, the talks. And then the following week or the following day, they get together and say, right, we saw all the content. What can we start to use now to build our teams? And it includes the vendors they've met as well. What technology did we see? Who did we demo that we want to follow up with? So, yeah. you know, you, you're seeing these teams turn up. They, they go and consume the content. They meet the vendors. And then they meet back up again a week later and start to pull, pull together. Okay, this is what we can take away from our event. Sure. And, and I suppose the beauty about doing it in the format, uh, 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 do it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here is that you, you take a traditional format and I'm going to use a hotel you know f- forgive me yep. any hotel or event organizer out there nothing against your venues I've worked on a lot of them they're great but you take your traditional common or garden hotel function room that is set out as a conference with a little bit of a trade show and some sponsors at one end you know a it can sometimes not be not very engaging and you know generally speaking the people who are sent out there you're not going to send the whole team of people there for a start you might send one or two and the next day they come back into the office or wherever they're based or on the team's meeting and everyone's snowed under with their usual day-to-day workload so they don't really get any feedback as to what those people who went to the conference actually learned and gathered it might filter through the organization slowly over the next week you know following weeks or months to be able to have teams of people there who learn, who go to different sessions, and then who all are on site and able to get together in a, a, a social environment in some respects so to actually debrief and share that strikes me as, as, as straight away they're going to be retaining that content a lot better than they would in the more traditional format. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, I think before the pandemic, a lot of events become transactional. They were mm. almost fast, fast food events. Yeah, you know, People would go to them because it got them at the office and they could come back with a swag bag and have a few drinks afterwards. And yeah, it was great. But how, how much does it change then? You know, mm. we've always said we're not looking to 180 people, but if we can move them 5% on their dial in terms of their thinking, you've made a difference. If you can't make a difference as an event organizer, why are you doing it? If you're mm. doing it for sponsorship money, it's a short term gain and, and you'll fail. You need to be able to change people's perception. That's what events and experiences do. And mm. I think, yeah, absolutely. By, by bringing the whole team together, it, uh, it allows for that content and those connections to be a lot more sticky because it, it becomes a team thing. The whole team are coming back and going, right, what are the five things we're going to action out of this? And then, you know, then that gets passed down. And I think it makes people more accountable as well. Mm. You know, rather than one person going and going, yeah, it was fine. I saw some talks. You know, they're going to send me a presentation. And then the deck sits on the person's desk for the next six months and never gets looked at. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes it way more accountable because everyone's there and everyone's saying, right, we've all agreed on these things we're going to follow up on. Mm. And, and I guess as well from a, a what's the word, a retention point of view from staff, you know, a, a, a recruitment agencies, recruitment companies who have big teams of staff, you know, the, the sort of paradox there is that they're, they're, they're looking to help industries who are maybe struggling to recruit new employees but they themselves have also got to keep one eye on retaining their own employees and retaining them within the recruitment sector and working in that industry so there is as much a need for them to 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 keep the staff i suppose not not entertained but you know do things like this from a team bonding point of view so that so that people who are working that sector say look i want to stay in there because one of the highlights is wreckfest every year 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we always say if, you know, if um, HSBC can't hire enough recruiters, what chance have they got of hiring the people they need to, you know, run their businesses? It's mm. impossible. The problem really does start with the, the recruitment team. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it's we see uh, RecFest being used on job adverts now as well. So people saying, hey, come work for XYZ. We go to RecFest every year as a team. So it becomes almost <laughs> a, a work perk that, hey, guess what we got? And yeah. what we always love as well, and we, we say this to the, um, the leaders that buy the tickets to bring their teams, we're like, if, we, if your recruiter posts onto LinkedIn, great. That's really good. We appreciate that. But when they post onto their Instagram, that's when you know you've made a personal connection because all of a sudden they're saying, hey, look at my industry. It's really cool. You know, it's not just, hey, I'm at the Excel Center or, hey, I'm, you know, over at the British Library. It's like, look at my industry. My industry is awesome. Mm. They, and what Wreckfest is, in essence, is a celebration of those recruiters. That's how it's always been positioned. This is your day. This is not our event. This is your event. This is your celebration. You work your ass off throughout the year. And usually you are underappreciated. We completely understand that. You know, you're the small cog that powers everything. Yeah. But today is about you. Today, you know, you grab a drink, you go and see the content, dance your ass off to Judge Jules afterwards. It's your day. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, for, for anybody who really wants to sort of get a visual insight into what we're talking about today, um, and we'll give some more contact details at the end of the podcast, Recfest, R-E-C. F-E-S-T, recfest.co.uk. Head over there, go to the gallery section and do what I'm doing at the moment, which is looking through some of the pictures. And if you didn't know what the content was and who the people were that were attending and what you know industry they're, they're working from, it looks like photos of any other festival. You know, yeah. the, the, there's a parched field that's been baked in the sun over the summer. There are stages. There are, you know, people drinking, have a good time, eating, laughing, dancing. Um, the, the, the photos are, are, are great. Um, and, and this may sound like a bit of an odd question then to lead into, but is there a danger that people have too much fun and don't concentrate hard enough on what they're actually there to do, if that makes sense? Is there a balance that has to be struck to make sure that they are remaining engaged with the content that's there and what they're there to do, which ultimately is, is, is a, on a professional basis rather than a, a social uh, basis? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there are a few different personas of people that go to Wreckfest. You get people that go that are just there for the content. So they'll mm. be at the stages all day and maybe go to the after party afterwards. You've also got people that are there to network as well. And they're the people that are, they're the people that will probably spend less time in the tents and more with those vendors uh, mm. as, as a networking uh, um, mechanic. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, I think people are responsible. People are coming as their, their business, you know, they appreciate that um, this isn't them going to Glastonbury per se. And most of them will be there with their, I think because they're with their teams as well, there's an accountability point uh, a thing as well, where mm -hmm. it's like, I don't want to show off and show up in front of, you know, my my team. So I think there's a fine line. Um, I don't think we cross it. I, look, I think there's probably some people that cross it, but for the most part, people <laughs> understand it's, uh, it's, you're there to work. And then, you know, there's a, there's a social element afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into some of the sort of the, the, the production, the, the, the delivery elements, because I'm sure they will interest, you know, uh, people who are listening to this today. Um, uh, and for, for, for clarity, this is this is a one day event. You know, this is arrive in the yep. morning, leave in the evening. So it's it's a festival. It's a one day festival. So there's no camping and campsites and those sort of no. things involved. But 
you mentioned that there are 10 stages, for example, you know, uh, from a production point of view, you will have exactly the same challenges as any other festival and outdoor event um, yeah. that is taking effectively a blank site and turning it into something. Um, how, uh, how much has it grown? Um, you know, pandemic notwithstanding, you know, that, that, that sort of period of a couple of years where inevitably things probably had to go on hold. But mm. 10 stages this year, what was it last year? What was it in previous years? And how, how much is it growing year on year? So in two, that, so from year one, we've doubled every year. So we doubled from 100 people, 200 people, 400 people, 800 people. I think we went to 1,500. And in 2019, we were 3,000. And that was the biggest event we've done. It put us kind of top five or maybe top three events of our size in 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 our in our industry in the world, um, pandemic obviously happened, shut things down for two years. Mm-hmm. We were aiming for three thousand people for this event. We 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 got to four thousand, um, and we could have sold more. Um, there's a, a few reasons for that. Number one, people haven't been doing events, and you know if you've got something unique, people want to be there. Rackfest yeah. is a destination event. It's not one of your transactional. Okay, there's another conference next week. I think one of the biggest things that have helped us though is work from home, because people have not been together with their teams for the last two years. So it's an opportunity to get everyone together. So bring your team of 20, bring your team of 30 together Mm -hmm. and have that team bonding day in the education day. So that really drove our numbers up for this year. We could have easily done done 5,000, but we we capped it off. Um, And I'm glad we did because, you know, we had some challenges with Um, checking. The technology we used didn't work, unfortunately, and we had some issues there. And I'm so I'm glad we didn't go to five thousand. But yeah, no, a four thousand. It's the largest event in the world for talent acquisition. There is nothing bigger. Um, yeah, I mean, production wise, uh, we work with a great company. So we work with a company called We Are the Fair. Um, of course, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And and they build um, mostly consumer events. Yeah. So you know, coming to them with a B two B challenge uh, as a festival was you know they were like, okay, this is different. Um, let's see where we go. And, you know, they've been great, really, really happy with the work they've done. And they've done a brilliant job of mapping out that entire site and making sure the logistics worked and making sure that, you know, we're putting up, you know, in essence, 10 brand new structures. So yeah. that's a process in itself. Um, stuff like putting your own Wi-Fi, your own water, um, <laughs> that comes with some serious, serious challenges. But no, the guys that we are, the fair, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've we've um, we've had uh, you know various guests from from We Are the Fair on on the podcast over the year. Nick Nick Morgan's been on a few times, yep. and and um, obviously Nick has uh, I've come across him at, at many different events as well over the last few years as a as a, as a speaker and as an, a, an attendee. Um, so we know we know them very well. Um, and and tell me in terms of some of the challenges that the industry has been facing uh, in terms of. Um, uh, products in terms of equipment hire you know the, the the companies that supply the infrastructure to outdoor events you know ironically are suffering from from recruitment yeah. issues themselves and not enough bodies on the ground given that this is a one-day event were there any issues in terms of um getting the equipment and getting the actual infrastructure that you wanted were the concessions that had to be made or generally speaking were you able to to source you know along with you know uh, we are the fair you know the, the stuff that you wanted for the event yeah, we, we got everything we wanted. Um, I, I'm not going to say it was easy because that was uh, Nick and his team's job. So I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of pain behind the scenes. They probably didn't <laughs> let us know about as the client. Yeah. Um, and we and we thank them for that because, you know, we were we were doing the front end stuff, i.e. sponsors and, and delegates and stuff. So sure. um, I, I know I know there's been issues. I mean, we've, we've already started booking stuff for next year and the year afterwards because 
some of that market's been decimated. You know, so a lot of them companies are, are no longer there because of the pandemic. And obviously, from a staffing point of view, that's an issue as well. So, yeah, I, you know, I think everything, anything anyone can do to get stuff booked well in advance is definitely worthwhile doing because, uh, yeah, it's it's not easy sourcing what you want out there at the moment. And and it, and it strikes me as well that you, you sound confident in your marketplace, given the growth that you've experienced as an event. S- some events are hesitant to do what uh, to take the advice that you've just given because they actually don't know if their event is going to run next year. Until they put the tickets on sale, they don't know how many they're going to sell. They don't know what the uptake is going to be. And without that uptake, they can't yep. commit to budgets. They can't commit to booking infrastructure and all the things that they need again correct me if i'm wrong you, you seem and you sound pretty confident in your event and in the numbers and in the growth that it wouldn't surprise me if you've already you know looked at stuff for next year booked it sorted it knowing that you're probably going to grow again yeah i I, th- I mean we live in a little bubble so i think i think we're confident because we're very unique and because we have the hearts and minds of our industry and because we are that event where you know, we're the first one in the diary for anyone in our industry, certainly in Europe. Um, mm. I, I, I think where other events are maybe struggling a little bit at the moment is, like, like I mentioned before, back in the day before pandemic, you had to get people out of the office to attend your event. And that's a relatively easy process. Nowadays, you're trying to get them out of their house. That is a lot different. You're fighting <laughs> against their childcare, their, their, all their processes and, and all their, their, their kind of systems they put in place in their own home, as in, you get the kids at this point, I'll walk the dog at that point, we'll be here for the Amazon man. You're challenging people to break that. And that is so much, so much, so more difficult than it was before that events have to really offer something unique. If not, people are just not going to attend. So I can see why other event companies that are maybe doing the same thing they've always done and doing something that is, has been replicated in the industry multiple, multiple times. Yeah. Why they'd be looking again. I don't know whether or not, you know, people are coming back next year. That's such an interesting take now that, you know, when you when you frame it like that is that, you know, I remember, you know, 17, 16, 17 years ago, you know, mid early to mid 20s. And I would go into an office every day to sell advertising for a publishing company, you know, and, and if somebody offered me the opportunity, oh, there's a conference next week. Do you want to go out for it? Yeah, fantastic. And it would have been easy because I would get up, I'd go through my normal morning routine. And instead of going into the office, I'd disappear off to a conference for the day. And then I'd come home at five, six o'clock exactly as I normally would. The way that you've just framed it there, the challenges of actually stepping out of your house now, like you said, you know, the what, one of the major benefits that, that the employers have seen in people working from home is that, productivity has gone up because they're given an, a level of flexibility that they don't have working nine to five in an office environment. You know, they can pick the kids up from school and come back and then cook dinner and then do a load of emails between six and nine o'clock in the evening if they want to, you know, getting yeah. them out to a day event it, it is, is a much bigger challenge now than asking them to leave their office. Um, yeah. And it's just interesting the way that, the way that you've, you've framed that and why obviously that that has its its positives and negatives from a, a, a marketing point of view. Um, and, and on that subject, again, this is something we've spoken about the podcast recently is, is marketing events. Um, how, how have you gone about marketing it, I suppose? And it's a very broad question, but in terms of channels, you know, it, it, is it difficult to get to the market or how are you actually sourcing the audience given that it is a very, very niche uh, audience of people that you are effectively marketing your event to i mean first of all i'd say we have a fantastic marketing department our, our guys are, are are really really good and they were operating on a very high level for this event hence why we had four thousand people walk through the door 
Mm. Um, some look so challenge it, uh, channels, usual stuff. I mean, email marketing for the most part, you know, email yeah. marketing works very well for us. We do have our own database um, of, uh, you know, the, the talent acquisition industry in the UK and uh, in Europe. Where, where Wreckfest becomes very different is um, it's a very shareable event, pre-event, day of event and post-event. It's very, very shareable. Um, because it's unique, because it looks different, and because people have that uh, almost that brand loyalty that's almost quite cult-like. It's like a cult brand almost. So in the build-up, you see a lot of people posting, hey, and we gave them the assets. We set up the system, a lot of people on LinkedIn, and that's look, our audience is all LinkedIn. Twitter doesn't work for us. Facebook mm. doesn't work for us. Instagram doesn't work for us. Um, I don't even know what TikTok is, I'll be perfectly honest with you. But, <laughs> um, but um, it's, uh, yeah, LinkedIn works really well for us because all the recruiters are there because ultimately it's a recruitment platform. So yeah. we, we gave people the assets to share the fact that they're going to Wreckfest and it worked really well. You know, every day there's 20, 30 people posting, hey, I'm going to Wreckfest next week, who's coming? And you can't buy that advocacy. You can't buy that ambassadorship. Um, yeah. It's something you have to earn as an event. You have to give people the tools, build the brand, show something unique and say, right, now we're going to shout about it because, and it's almost that thing of, I'm trying to think of compare it to another event, but um, there's almost a sense of FOMO or pride in, in the fact they're going, mm. you know, hey, I'm going to Wreckfest. Is anyone else going? Oh, you're coming as well. You know, it's almost seen as a badge of honor. And um, you yeah. hear people talking nowadays, oh, did you go to Wreckfest this year? Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, you missed something. You know, if you can build that into your event, then your marketing and I'm not saying it become easy because my marketing team do a great job, um, but your audience becomes your marketers and, 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 and they become your brand ambassadors and they're the ones going out, flying a flag for you. On the day of the event, there was over two and a half thousand individual posts on LinkedIn under the hashtag Breakfast 2022. Yeah, don't take my word for it. Go and search it. I physically couldn't get through all the posts across a week afterwards because it's just such a shareable event. You're giving people what they need to go and use that two or three posts they make a day. And one of them is, is breakfast. So I think that's really, really important. And I suppose the, the beauty about that is, is it's a competitive marketplace, the recruitment sector, in terms of the agencies that are working within there, they're all fighting for business and all fighting for, for clients to come to them. So if an agency sees another agency that they know are a competitor posting about their great experience at breakfast and they've not yep. gone, that's great business for you, isn't it? Because there is instantly yep. going to be that carrot dangle to say, oh shit, we need to be there. Yeah, well, my, my I mean, my, the commercial team work off 100% inbound inquiries. They haven't made an outbound call in six years. It's all inbound from, from the exhibitors stroke sponsors. It, it's, anytime a vendor comes into the market, you know, first thing, the first thing they want to know is, okay, what's rec first and how do we get involved? Because it mm. is seen as a sort of the, 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 the front running event. So, you know, we, we work off referrals, you know, we don't have um, really an outbound sales strategy. It's, it's what comes through. And that's, that's because of the reputation breakfast has. Mm, absolutely. Well, one thing, else, uh, 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 another thing I wanted to ask you with one eye on time today, because we're, we're getting towards the end of today's episode, but um, I know a, a, a business local to me where I'm based in South Yorkshire. Uh, and that they are work in the construction sector. So a friend of mine is the MD. Uh, they're looking to recruit five people at the moment. Um, is Wreckfest necessarily for recruitment agencies and people who work specifically in recruitment, or can it be for, for businesses who might have a number of positions to fill who maybe are struggling to do that because 
you know, historically that, that they've only ever needed to recruit maybe one person every few years. For a company like him that's suddenly needing to recruit five people in a relatively short space of time, is there stuff that they could learn from coming to the event? Yeah, so I suppose, um, just so to clarify, because our, our industry is a little bit weird in terms of where it breaks down. So recruitment consultancies in our space, we would consider the, the vendor. They're, mm -hmm. the, they're the seller. So they, they would have a stand at breakfast trying to connect with um, the audience. The audience we have are, are employers, in-house in recruitment teams. So right. these are, you know, these are someone like Tesco's has a 200-person in-house recruitment team. And yeah. their job is okay. to hire for, for Tesco. So that's, that's the audience. So um, would there be, if, if they've got five roles across a year, um, they'd probably have a good time. But I'm not sure it would be beneficial or a good use of time to attend. Um, usually yeah. the, the, the companies that attend Wreckfest are the ones that have the either very difficult to find roles or, or mass volume. Yeah. Um, high turnover, know. maybe. Yeah, the high turnover stuff, specialist stuff as well. Um, or, or just or just big numbers, you know, just, you know, big chunky recruitment needs across a year where you'd need technology, you'd need infrastructure, you'd need, you know, recruiters mm. internally and stuff like that. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And, and the last question I'm going to ask today before we wrap up, Jamie, is the two day question. Um, I've looked at the agenda and it's packed. You know, yes. the, 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 the 9.15, I think, uh, you know, some of the first sessions are, are kicking off. And then you've got entertainment that starts from from 5 p.m., I think 5, 6 p.m., yeah. into sort of early to mid-evening. Um, uh, has the two-day question come been asked of you by people who attend the event? Have you asked it internally and discussed it internally? It, it's, it's a conversation that comes up every year. Um, there are a lot of pros to doing a two-day event. There are also some cons as well that we don't think we have the answers to right now. I think a lot of people have asked around the camping element of it, which I don't know whether our insurance would want to cover 4,000 recruiters camping in a field somewhere. Um, but <laughs> it, it's certainly something that comes up. It's something, it's something that we discuss every year. And it's definitely something we'll be discussing for next year as well. Um, mm. I think when we start to look further afield and maybe look for to host breakfast in other countries, um, maybe slightly the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, um, then you'd have to look at a two-day event because where we're lucky in the UK, you can travel anywhere in three or four hours. Yeah, You, know, you go to somewhere like the US and it's a little bit more different, uh, yeah. and a bit more difficult. So the conversation happens every year. It will happen again this year. Um, you know, it's, it's always an option. I read a great quote a, couple, a few weeks ago about the difference between Americans and the British. And it was that, the Americans think a hundred years is a long time, and the British think that a hundred miles is a long way. <laughs> I love that quote. I love that. Yeah, and, I'm going to start putting that in my document. And I thought that that was that was absolutely brilliant because yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, we are for, and we forget sometimes that we are fortunate in the UK that you could, you know, hop in a car at six o'clock in the morning and be, you know, four or five hundred miles away. You know, within six hours drive. You know, all, all being well, you know, it's it's not a vast territory to cover by train, you know, road no. or, or 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 plane. Whereas, as you said, you hop over the Atlantic, you're dealing with territories that are of a significantly uh, larger area. Um, the, the, only, the, only, the only, I suppose, the only thing that we, we always have to think about is how many people got coming from Europe because mm. that is a growing area for us right now. So it used to be predominantly mm. UK. Last year, it was around 20% out of country um, with the bulk of that coming from Europe. So that's, that's a real caveat we'd have to start to consider because obviously if you've got people traveling by plane for two or three hours, then a two-day event is, is a lot more appealing. So... 
that that's probably the bit that moves the dial for us is what percentage of our audience is is from outside of the UK and that is that is growing it's say it's about 20% for for this year mm-hmm. and in terms of anything you can reveal for next year in terms of of, of location um are, we, are you staying in the same place or are you going to sort of continue yeah. to, to move it around so yeah we, we've, we've made a long-term commitment to Nebworth it's a phenomenal venue um it's it's obviously quite iconic travel links were really really easy there hotels were absolutely fine we right. had no we had no problem you can get there from the north you can get there from london london's 20 minutes um you can come in from peterborough quite quickly as well so it works really really well for us and and they were great to work with as well by the way the, the venue themselves were absolutely fantastic so um no i think we'll be there it will be bigger i think we, we, the numbers will be going up so logistics change a little bit um the the map or, or the site venue will certainly certainly change and you know, I think you'll see a few more recognisable, um, I'm not going to say celebrity names, but recognisable names next year uh, as we invest more into our speaker lineups as well. So there's a little bit there. Um, look, we're, we're looking into the US right now. That, that's a big question mark, whether Wreckfest would work as an American event. Um, mm. You know, we've got a lot of big conversations going on to see whether or not that would happen potentially next year or the year afterwards. So that's kind of where our, our thinking is right now. Excellent. Um, it's been fascinating to talk to you. Our guest today on the Event Industry News podcast has been Jamie Leonard, uh, the founder and CEO of Recruitment Events and Wreckfest. Um, a, a real sort of great insight into an event that I had no clue about prior to today's podcast. Um, but, you know, like, like all sectors, these events happen and finding ways of making them more engaging, more exciting to, to increase those audience numbers and, and to serve that industry a bit better is always great to hear. And, um, you know, do, I congratulate you, Jamie, on, on the work you've done so far in, in bringing this event to market. And um, long may it continue for you to be challenged uh, by people that you can't deliver a, a big event or can't be a big <laughs> events company. You know, woe betide the next person that says anything like that that you may hear. Um, we may be dealing with a behemoth in 10 years' time. So, yeah, congratulations. And um, tell us a little bit, you know, if people do want to follow you on on socials, on LinkedIn, um, I've given out the, the, the website already earlier on in the podcast, wreckfest.co.uk is the event website but if people want to follow you how, how do they get in touch yeah i appreciate the kind kind word james thank you um so yeah uh, linkedin is probably the best way to get me jamie leonard um recruitment events company uh yeah best way to to find me Fantastic. i'm not really a twitter i'm not really a twitter guy <laughs> not a twitter not and, and and another shout out once again if you want to really sort of get a, a, a visual some visual um, I suppose, representation of some of the stuff that we've been talking about today, head over to wreckfest.co.uk, just drop down the menu and go to gallery. It's really easy to find and just have a look through some of the pictures and maybe it will just put into context a little bit about what we've been speaking uh, on the podcast today. Um, if you are listening to this podcast via one of your uh, audio-only podcast platforms, um, don't forget that you can hop over to eventindustrynews.com and get the latest news features, supplements, uh, special features, special articles, daily news updates, and of course, the legendary A to Z supplier directory on the eventindustrynews.com website, as long as video versions of all of our podcasts. Of course, in the opposite direction, if you are already on the website and you are watching today's video podcast, thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget that you can go to wherever you get your audio podcasts from. Just search for Event Industry News Podcast, whether that be on uh, on, on Apple or Google, um, Spotify, and you'll be able to find us, subscribe, listen to all of the episodes of the podcast that we've done 
done over the last seven or eight years, coming up to 300 episodes now, I am sure. Um, our thanks once again to Jamie Leonard from Recruitment Events and Recfest for joining us today. Jamie, hope to see you soon. Come back on in the future and let us know how things are, are progressing. And uh, on behalf of everybody here at Event Industry News, thanks very much to all of our followers, all of our subscribers to the podcast. Stay tuned with more episodes coming every week and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks very much, everybody. Goodbye.